whatever, um, please make sure you, you do that as we celebrate throughout the entire month. Good. All right. Thank you. I, great. Thanks. Appreciate you. Matt comes up to me and says, I got an announcement. I was like, that didn't go to the email and it didn't get a, anyway. Help us uh, as we stay organized and want to care for you uh, as the church continues to grow. Uh, it's just one of those things where, man, if you are here during the week at any point in time to see just how busy uh, the office is at, at times, um, it's, it's incredible. And so we're just trying to look for ways to help serve you better. And if you can just help us in those ways, it'd be great. Uh, we talked about that this week, and uh, we all thought it was a really good idea. So we'll give it a go. Amen. Um, before we get started, if this is your first Sunday with us and maybe you're visiting because of the uh, marriage sermon series, we just want to welcome you. Let's, let's welcome them. Amen. A big part of um, who we are here is, you know, community and family and, and those type of things. And, and uh, mine and my wife and the eldership team, all of our leaders, uh, our heart is no matter what God does with our church to continue to keep that community aspect together. Um, obviously, uh, marriage has been a, a big topic for my wife and I since the day we got saved because it was through our marriage crisis that we came to know the Lord. Uh, Gee, this is probably a little hot, a little loud. Um, bring it down a little. Thank you, bud. So, what you'll hear, and if you were here last year, you heard a very emotional expression of that and why we paused it uh, for a little while because uh, of some of the things that were happening. But my wife and I seek to be very real as we talk about these topics. Uh, so I, I hope that you're not expecting, you know, just a sermon. I hope that you'll take the heart of what we express and apply them to let them change. Amen. And I, and I say that part of, part of my salvation experience is the Lord's grace and goodness was to me. That he let me keep my wife. He let me keep my kids. Come on someone. Um, and uh, our hearts were radically transformed. We had a great pastor who loved us. And uh, was unafraid to speak truth to us. Uh, to the point of <laughs> hurting my feelings a lot. But I'm so grateful. So as we express these, uh, as we go through it, uh, I want you to just receive the heart of what's being said. Amen? And again, it's an opportunity to invite friends and family who you know. This, it's not the heart of the attitude, oh, these people have a bad marriage they need, you know. Listen, nothing, it, it, you can have the best tools if they're not applied. They don't, they're not, they don't, it doesn't work. And again, if you're not married, it still applies. Um, if you come from brokenness, it still applies. There's, there's not a soul on the earth that isn't affected by marriage, some way or another, good or bad. So we seek to do that every year. Uh, and I just need you to know that this morning, uh, of course, I've been away for about four weeks, um, you know, not preaching, but two weeks in Texas. And, and my wife's like, why are you so nervous this morning? You people are intimidating. <laughs> She's like, you just preached 40 sermons in six days. And we did. Um, it's, it's not that. It's just my heart is so passionate about this. And I want this to be so tangible uh, that I care a lot about what I'm about to say in the next six weeks. So you can take it or leave it. But there it is. Ready? Turn with me in your Bibles. To Proverbs, chapter 24. 
Proverbs chapter 24. In verse 3, the Bible says, Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled. Everybody say filled. filled. With all precious and pleasant riches. Father, would you bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart. In Jesus' name. And everyone said... Here we go. Have you got your notebooks? Filled. Everybody say filled. If you were to describe your marriage right now in this house, right at this very moment, hey, let's just be honest because nothing shows your maturity more than being married. So, somebody say amen. I'll say this over and over again. I'll continue to say it till Jesus comes back or corrects me by the Spirit. But I don't believe that marriage is designed to make you happy. I believe marriage is designed to make you holy. And you will learn real quick all the areas in your life where you are immature and selfish when you get married. That being said, happy marriages just don't happen. It takes a lot of hard work of properly using the correct tools the right way. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge. They give you the ability to properly use what I want to do in the next six weeks. Give you four tools essential to taking your marriage to what I'm calling maximum marriage. I, I, I don't apologize. My, my, listen, I'm not perfect. My wife is. I invited her to church today, this morning, this very morning. I was... But I, 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 it's not a happen chance. It's not just a, a word that I would say. It's not just a funny when I say my wife and I are having fun being married. And we, we enjoy, we love being married. That doesn't mean everything's perfect. That doesn't mean we don't have to wrestle through everything that everybody else does. Communication, right? Uh, health issues, finance issues. We go through it all just like you. Just like everybody. And when we present these to you, we don't present these ideas and thoughts to you as people who have perfected it. We present them to you as a married couple who's willing to be perfected. I have bad days and there are times I got to go to my wife and just go, I'm sorry, I had a bad attitude. And she goes, yeah, you did. So I want to begin this marriage sermon series with the very first tool, one of the most important tools, and that is understanding the deal. Everybody say it, understand the deal. Everybody say it, understand the deal. All right, marriage is not simply being in love or deciding to live together. It's a covenant you make. Do you, would everybody say amen? You, you stand at the altar and you make a covenant with each other. Would you say amen? But you also make a covenant with God. You see, there are three people involved in that covenant. 
You make a covenant with each other, but you make also a covenant with God. You see, when the honeymoon is over and you discover marriage is not all that you thought it would be, and everybody better say amen, you realize that there has been a great deception that has happened that causes many marriages to fall and fail, and that is this deluded idea that we fall in love. It comes from romance novels. It comes from movies. It comes from social media. It comes from, listen, it comes from all the things that I think are the toilet of society. And it's an expression that doesn't fully give us the heart of the matter, the heart of the deal. Marriage isn't falling in love. Marriage is a commitment to grow in love. Oh, y'all better help me out because some of y'all are just going to hit heavy this morning if you don't. A happy marriage isn't, isn't something you fall into. It's something you work on daily. Listen, it's not easy. That's why you stand before God. See, you stand before God and make a commitment you know you can't keep in your own strength. That's why when you're making this covenant with one, another person, you're also making a covenant with God because you know in your own strength you can't keep it. God is the covenant keeper. God's the covenant keeper. We would say this and believe this in the heart that marriage is God's. Doesn't belong to the world. It's God's. He gave it to us as a gift. If it wasn't, Jesus wouldn't have said, A man shall leave his father and mother and become. That's the gift of God. The world is what takes God's gift and pollutes it, damages it, makes our idea of it something uh, uh, than, than what it's not. That's why marriage today in our society is as disposable as the razors you use. As soon as one is dull, guess what you do? You ever, come on, you ever thought, man, my spouse is a little dull, right? Which, if you haven't, maybe your spouse thought that about you. Marriage isn't something you fall into. It's a commitment you make to work on daily. And that's why you stand before God. That's why you stand before family. That's why you stand before friends. And you promise to remain faithful, true, and committed to your spouse as long as you both shall live. When you're dating, and even now in your marriage, that idea of falling in love, you know what it does? It makes you think. Something critical is missing in your relationship if there isn't some kind of romantic ecstasy happening every day. That causes you to think there must be someone somewhere out there who can produce this romantic experience that you're not getting now with the someone let me say this, you can have the marriage that you want with the person that you married to. You just can't be married like you were yesterday. Yeah. See, y'all didn't help me. Amen. If your marriage isn't what, it, what you want it to be, then don't be married today like you were yesterday. 
you have to change. It causes us to think someone else, somewhere else is out there that can produce this romantic experience of falling in love. And that is a dangerous delusion. Why? Why do you say that, Pastor Don? Because if you can fall into love, you can fall out of love. You know how many people have been in my office and literally looked at me, married couples, and said, well, we just don't love each other anymore. It's it's a non-biblical statement. And it expresses that I don't have the intent to keep my promise. And I want to find an excuse to do something different. Why? Because, well, we fell out of love. Boy, y'all are quiet this morning. Let me, let me be honest. Even loving someone with all your heart isn't enough to maximize your marriage. I have seen people literally suffer the brokenness of marriage. They divorced, they, 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 they separated, they went their separate ways who I am confident that they loved each other. And I've seen people who come into my office that I think, boy, those two people hate one another. Because they did what we asked them to do. Hello, somebody. Things change. Listen, if it's broken, don't do it again. If it's not working, find a new way to do it. You know how, you know how we, we change what's wrong? By admitting that it's wrong. You don't have to make an excuse. You don't have to blame someone else. Sometimes I just need to come to Lisa and go, I'm sorry, I had a bad attitude. I'll make an excuse about it. Why? Why should I have to make an excuse for her? Like she's going to believe my lie anyway. She knows me. Even loving someone with all your heart isn't enough to maximize your marriage. The Bible refers to the heart, and when it does, it refers to the seat or the core of emotions. Watch this. Jeremiah 17, 19 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and it's desperately wicked. Who can know it? Proverbs 28, 26 says, He who trusts in his heart is a fool. But whoever walks wisely will be delivered. Do you mean people come into me and say, well, I just got to follow my heart? It's not biblical. Your heart wants things God doesn't want for you. Your heart wants the temporary when God is interested in the eternal. And people all the time, well, I just got to follow my heart. I just got to follow my heart. I, I was talking to this one uh, woman one time. She, she had five husbands and she was leaving the fifth one because she's following her heart to find the next one. And, she, and I said, what are you doing? And she, she said to me, well, God wants me happy. You know what I said to her? God is not as interested in your happiness as you think he is. God's interested in your holiness. And following your heart all these years is what has caused you to be a fool. Boy, that's not very pastoral, Don. It's absolutely pastoral. Who could care for you more in that moment? 
to say you're walking off a cliff, stop. Your heart, your feelings are very deceitful because they change. But a love that maximizes a marriage doesn't because it's a commitment we've made. How many of you have woken up one morning and and just not felt the gooseys about your spouse? You know, they they used to walk in the room and you used to be, ooh, yeah, right? Like you just would shiver, ah, right? Like they would speak or, and you'd be like, whoo, say that again. Just, you know what I'm saying? My, when we, my wife and I were first day, she used to laugh at my jokes. She used to think I was the funniest person on the planet. You need new material. Now she just looks at me and goes, you got to get some new material, man. I'm like, you used to laugh at that. Let's be honest. We all get there. Familiarity brings us to the point to where we're so familiar with something that we don't really see the value of it anymore like we used to. And, and, And that's what feelings do for us. Now, I'm not against feelings. I like the goosey. Hello, somebody. But the way we keep them moving with each other is by learning what establishes them deep inside of who we are. Commitment. And here's the truth. Even if you're, you weren't madly in love when you first got married, that's okay. Why? Because you start where you are and you grow in love. You don't fall in love. And I shared with you even last year, uh, that was mine and my wife's story. We weren't madly in love with each other when we got married. It just, we were just, you know, lost. We didn't know Jesus. And, and basically, our marriage was a marriage of convenience. Listen, in order to get me, her to marry me, this is what I promised her. She didn't want to do it. We're in Florida. She had no family. All her family was in South Carolina. And she was like, well, what if it doesn't work? Then I'm going to be all alone again. And so I said, I tell you what, if you'll marry me, I'll buy, if it doesn't work, I'll buy you a Greyhound bus ticket back to Charleston. I bribed her to marry me with a bus ticket. Six months later, guess what she wanted? That's a true story. She got her suitcase packed and she, I want my ticket. That's our story. You think I don't know where you've been? You don't think I don't know what you're going through? Much less you don't think God knows? You start where you are. How did you fix your marriage, Pastor? 31 years. 32 in April. Come on. How did you fix it? We grew in love. We grew in love. 32 years. I... Listen, I don't got time to train somebody else. I, I, listen, I know her crazy. Not time to train somebody else. Love's not an emotion that you fall into. Love, love is a commitment you make to another person. And 1 Corinthians 13 says this. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love isn't an emotion or a feeling. And be glad about that. Because emotions and feelings change. 
Love's being committed to a person even when that person isn't very lovable. It's very important for married people to understand the difference between love and romance. Y'all not going to like this. But I looked up the word romance in the dictionary. Hmm. Oh, you want it? Yeah. You want the definition of in the dictionary of romance? Now, how, how many of you, don't you love it when your, your, your partner is romantic? Come on. Right? Some, some of y'all are like, I, I don't know. I, do I raise my, I don't know. Right? Like, am I going to get in trouble after this sermon? I don't know. I don't, tell me the definition first, Pastor Don, then I'll tell you if I like it when my partner's romantic. Romance is defined in the dictionary as this, a fictitious tale of wonderful and extraordinary events characterized by non-realistic and idolizing use of the imagination. Another definition is, of, of romance is an exaggeration or fabrication that has no real substance. Now, every man in the room goes, thank you, Pastor Don, I'm off the hook. <laughs> My wife says, I want you to be romantic. It's not real. <laughs> you want me to fake it? <laughs> fake it till you make it, Doug. Fake it till you make it. <sighs> romance, romance. Listen, I'm... I, I want to be hopelessly in love. I want to adore my wife. I want you to adore your spouse. Who doesn't want to be adored? Romance, though, is what most TV shows and movies mistakenly, and I believe deceitfully, portray as love. Marriage is based on love, not romance. So, love's not an infatuation that goes away. It's a lifetime commitment that you make to another person. Marriage is also the deal. Everybody say the deal. deal. You make with another person and God. It's a very difficult deal to keep. And at some point, most couples would like to break it. You're in church. Don't lie in here. I bet, I bet there's not a husband or a wife in this place today who hasn't at some point in their marriage felt like Abraham did with God with the deal that God made with him. What do you mean, Pastor Don? God promises Abraham a son and he's at 90 years old and the promise hasn't happened. So Abraham came to believe that God could not keep his deal. We know the story, but the one thing that I want to highlight to you is not Hagar in this moment. I want to highlight to you Eliezer. And Abraham says, God, you can't keep your deal. It's been too long. It hasn't happened. Come on. So why not we just make Eliezer my inheritance to carry it on? Let's just, you know, let's just, let's just quit on that deal. Let's move to another one. Let's, that one didn't work. 
And I love what this really portrays in our heart. Here is a man who had been waiting for years. And I know that some of you are in a marriage right now where you've just been waiting for years. You've been waiting for years. You feel like God has given you a promise. You've read the scripture. You've heard all 18 of Pastor Don's sermon series. And you've been waiting, and you've been waiting, and here you are just like Abraham, discouraged and tired, and you think you have no choice but to call the deal off. There are some marriages in here right now in that same place. There are some marriages listening right now in that same place. You're at this place where you feel like, i got to call it off. It's not going to work. I'm so tired. I'm so discouraged. You've been waiting for years. But I want you to notice what God did with Abraham when Abraham says, let's just call the deal off. In Genesis 15 and 5, God, and then he brought Abraham outside and said, look now toward heaven. I can't help it, but sometimes there are words that just jump off the Bible. Like they stick to my glasses. And they just, you know what I'm saying? They're just like a knee. Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said, so shall your descendants be. Now I just, I, I, want, I want you to hold on. Buckle your seatbelt here because I got something to say. If your marriage is in that place today, I am here to tell you at the start of this series, look now towards heaven. Look now towards heaven, right? What what you thought was God's delay or inability to keep his deal is just God getting you ready to contain all that he has for you. What, What if the delay or the struggle is about getting you ready to be a carrier and a producer of what God, what you couldn't carry or produce in your own strength? God has designed your marriage to birth his kingdom into this world. The enemy is the one who wants you to cancel that deal. And in Genesis 15, God tells Abraham, the deal's still on. The deal is still on. The deal is still on. And I'm here to tell every one of you married people, the deal is still on. Look now towards heaven. Stop looking at your problems. Stop looking at your discouragement. Stop looking at those things that give you a confirmation bias to your bad mood and bad attitude about what's happening in your life. And look now towards heaven, the covenant keeper who started the deal and says the deal is still on. I'm not trying to pretend to you that marriage can't be difficult and discouraging and seem hopeless at times. And you think, God, this isn't working. You're going to have to give me happiness and fulfillment through somebody else. That's why you feel like you don't have any choice but to call the deal off. However, regardless of how you feel, or the circumstances in your marriage right now, the marriage deal you made with your spouse when you stood before God at the altar, it's still on. Come on, I need somebody to just grab that. Grab some hope right now in the middle of your hopelessness. Come on, grab some encouragement in the middle of your discouragement. The deal's still on. The deal's still on. Why? Because as long as the covenant keeper is in... You see, the same miracle-working God who gave Abraham and Sarah a son when they were well past childbearing years is the God who's going to take your marriage regardless of its problem. Come on, to its maximum. 
the deal's still on. The deal's still on. And I believe to maximize our marriage, the first thing we need to do, regardless of hurts and failures, is to understand the deal's still on. Maybe you just need to say that to your spouse right now. Come on, look at your spouse. The, the deal's still on. Come on, just do it. Y'all, some of y'all don't even want to. You're like, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to give them that. The deal's still on. Maybe your spouse not with you this morning. In your mind, you just got to tell yourself, the deal's still on. The deal's still on. The deal's still on. The deal's still on. Because we got, acknowledging that is a step of faith that we need for God to work. You see, maximizing your marriage requires you to keep God in on the deal. There's no problem in your marriage that you and your spouse can't work out if you keep God in on the deal. Oh, I pastor Don, you know, infidelity. The Bible says, the Bible says that it's grounds for divorce. The Bible also says that it's grounds for forgiveness. Oh, y'all didn't like that. There's some people right now, I felt a religious spirit right there. I felt it. If unfaithfulness is the grounds for divorce, it's also grounds for forgiveness. I'm not saying that's easy. But let me tell you something, hanging on a cross and dying for my sin, shedding his blood over 2,000 years ago, that wasn't easy either. Amen? And everything I had done to God, everything I'd done against him, that was grounds for God to cut me out of his will. But in his loving, perfect will, he sent his only begotten son, amen, to die for me. Why? Because even though my sin was grounds for hell, he decided forgiveness would give me heaven. Glory, glory. I'll give you that. I will. It's absolutely in there. But you're going to give me the other one. And at the end of the day, you're going to live with which one you choose. They get away with what they did to me, Pastor Don. No, 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 no. That's not what forgiveness is at all. Forgiveness isn't about letting people get away with things. Forgiveness is about embracing the love of God. There's no problem in your marriage God can't fix if you keep him in on the deal. And how you do that? Through prayer. I can't apologize about that. Notice what Jesus said about the power of prayer. He says in Matthew 21, 22, And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Married people, that's a promise from the lips of Jesus. Is that no reason to lie to you? That's a promise from the lips of Jesus. But all the promises in the Bible are based on two premises. Now, we, come on. First, before you can claim a Bible promise, you've got to be living obedience to the Bible. Second, you got to pray according to God's will. 1 John 5, 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You know what? Do you know what? I believe that God hears our prayers about our, our marriage. Why? Because he's in on the deal. 
I believe that. Let me tell you something, husbands in here. Y'all going to listen to me very quick. The Bible says that if you abuse, neglect, or dishonor your wife, God doesn't hear any of your prayers. I, I don't got a trick Bible. It's in there. <laughs> she represents the bride. This means when you pray for your marriage, pray in the will of God. And you know what the will of God is? The deal's still on. <laughs> hey, Abraham. How tired are you? How discouraged are you? It ain't working out very well. In your own effort, is it? The deal's still on. Come here with me. Don't you love how God just came to Abraham and said, let's take a walk. Come on, somebody. Let's take a walk. Let's take a walk. Do you know how many times, right, that I've looked at my wife and said, hey, let's just take a walk. I want to walk with you right now. Even some of my grandkids, right? Let's just take a walk. And then let's just talk about whatever. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Like, Abraham, let's take a walk. There is no better walk to take than a walk with a covenant keeper. The deal's still on. Can I say this to us? God wants, God wants to help you maximize your marriage. With his help, a good marriage can be better. With his help, a problem or hopeless marriage can be transformed into a loving, fulfilling relationship. How is it possible? I'm glad you asked. Mark chapter 10, verse 27. But Jesus looked at them and said, with men it's impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. See, the miracle working God who gave Abraham a son when it was humanly impossible. The miracle working God who raised Jesus from the dead is the same miracle working God who performs miracles in your marriage. But for him to do this, you got to understand the deal's still on. The deal you made with God is still on. The deal you made in your wedding vows is still on. Don't forget, you made a covenant with him. See, you just got to believe in your heart right now that from this day forward, from this day forward, God cannot be absent from your marriage. The deal is summed up in one word, and it's a curse word in church. I get it. Especially modern day Christianity. Commitment. Not all curse words are four letters. I mean, does it got two T's in it or two M's or does it both? I don't know. The most important tool for maximizing your marriage. Can I say this? For I believe for a believer, divorce is not an option. See, when you take, when you take escapism off the table, you're, you're left with what is in front of you. You ever watch that? I love that series alone. You ever watch that series alone on the History Channel? They drop off 10 people and Whoever lives or survives the longest, you get 10 tools, and I love that show. They all got a satellite phone, and, you know, anytime they get tired or hungry, they just want to check out, they can just push the button, and they come and get them. How much do you see people lay around for days going, I'm so thirsty, I'm so hungry, and all I got to do is push this button. And all they do is look at that button. All they do is instead of getting up and go finding water or getting up and going finding food, they lay around and just think about pushing the button. Well, how different would that show be? 
if they didn't have that phone. You know what you do when you're thirsty? You get your lazy tail up and you go find some water. You go find something to eat. Why? Because there's no button. There's no checkout button. See, in the world we live in right now, divorce has been our checkout button. Just done. And we threaten each other with it. We manipulate each other with it. We, we so abuse each other with it. Jesus' own words in Matthew 19, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. So then they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. That word united, are you ready? That word cleave, it means to join or mix. It's actually in reference to metal that has been melted down to make a new alloy. It's, it's in reference to like how we get bronze. It's a mixture of copper and tin. Once they're melted down and mixed, you can't unmix them. Why? Because you have a whole new product. You have something that wasn't what it was before. You have something more beautiful than it was by themselves. You have something more valuable than it was by themselves. You melt them down. You have something stronger than it was by themselves. You have something that can resist corrosion better than by... You're not getting this. Once blended, they can't be separated. And Jesus uses this word to describe marriage because the enemy, the enemy... We use the inevitable difficulties and problems in your marriage to separate you from your spouse. He's going to do everything he can to divide what God intended to be permanent. If you're already divorced, let me speak to you from the heart of a pastor. Come on up here, worship team. You all know my story. Um, I've been on my own since I was... 15, almost 16 years old. And you can imagine in a world where there's no accountability for a 16-year-old what happens. And So I, was, I wasn't a Christian. I, I don't hide this from anybody. Some people say, Pastor Don, you can't tell this because it disqualifies you. So at 17 years old, I got married. And at 18, I was divorced. And I'm all alone again. I'm this loser. Hello, somebody. And then at 20, I, you know, flash a bus ticket. Marry me. And at 20 and a half, she's leaving too. What's, what's the problem? Well, there's one common denominator there. And then we gave our heart and life to the Lord. So yeah, what does it mean to have your sins cast as far as the east is from the west? Never to be remembered again. You see, I believe in the finished work of the cross of Calvary. And so when I speak to divorced people, I, I have to speak in terms of what it means to be washed. My divorce happened before I was a Christian. So did a whole lot of other stuff that the Lord forgave me of. But now that I'm a believer, I understand revelation. Let 
me tell you something. If you've even as a believer gone through this thing, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Somebody say amen. I would not, and I got a few. Y'all don't think, Pastor, hello, somebody. (laughs) I got a few. I wouldn't wish it on them. I wouldn't. I wouldn't wish this brokenness on anyone. Let me just say this to us right now in this room and settle it right now. Whoever you're married to at this moment is God's will for your life. What is divorce? Sin. Repent of it. What does God do with repented sin? He can't remember it. And don't walk in it again. What did Jesus tell them over and over? Go and sin no more. 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 Where are those who condemn you? Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. I love you. But guess what? You can't have my marriage. You know why? Because I worked hard for it. You get your own. I'll give you my life. I'll give you my story. But what I'm not going to do is butter your roll. Some of y'all get that at lunch. (laughs) Marriage is not a romantic fairy tale. It's a commitment that lasts for a lifetime. Making marriage work... Let me say it this way. Making marriage is work. But what isn't? Get over it. This is why we stand before God and we make a promise. And we include God in our covenant till death do us part. That's why we stand before God. As husband and wife, you need to agree that divorce is not an option. Stand with me. Come on. Man, If that's what Lisa and I look. We got saved and we didn't like each other. And I spent... A whole bunch of time in the backside of McDonald's in Chipley, Florida, complaining about that woman with Pastor Rick. But you know what? When we got saved, we looked at each other and said, you know what? Not being married isn't an option. So what's next then? Then and only then can you be compelled to work hard. It's the deal you made on your wedding day. It's still it's still on come on tell your spouse it's still on you, listen you might be discouraged you might not even like each other right now in your mind you might be just saying I don't want to say it I don't want to say it I don't want to say it say it the deal's still on commitment is the most important tool for maximizing your marriage but it's not enough I got three more important tools I'm going to give you during this series honor the one you're going to hate the most, communication. (laughs) Forgiveness. God's going to do so much. You know what we need to do as a church? Not only do we need to begin to pray for our marriage during this series, we need to pray for every marriage in this church. Every marriage in this church. They need to be on your prayer list every day. The body of Christ should preach the gospel with our marriages by saying the deal's still on. Young people, you're not married yet? You throw away this idea that marriage is disposable. Throw it away right now. Throw it away right now. And all of these little fancy relationships you jump 
from here there this week you date this person that week you date that person as soon as that person don't make you happy no more you know what that is that's divorce practice stop it by the time you get married you're in the habit of divorce and let me tell you something parents you think it's cute it ain't cute you're allowing them to develop a mentality of divorce practice the Bible talks about courtship. That's totally different. And I love it when young people grab that idea. Then we can build the church on some strong marriages. Can I pray for us? Father, in this house today, we belong to you. And we say, Jesus, marriage belongs to you. And as we start this journey, God... Like any other journey, God, at the beginning, we're excited about it. We're excited to start. We're excited to begin. And down the road a little bit, Lord, we get a little tired. Down the road a little bit, we start to ache a little bit. And uh, we suffer some. And we wonder why continue on the journey. Not so. Not so in this series, God. Keep our hearts inspired. I pray for every married couple in this room right now. The devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy, to divide, to separate. And there are some marriages in this house right now who don't see tomorrow. God, I pray that as they say the deal is still on, that you take them out for a walk and you tell them, look now toward heaven. See the covenant keeper. What they believe you can't do. And they're ready to call the deal off. God, would you allow them to see your miracle working hand? We pray it. I pray for a hedge of angels around our ministry and our marriages during this series. Raise them up, God. We know that you do that, God, to protect them. Protect us, God. Give us space from the attack of the enemy. God, we know that sometimes marriage sermon series is like rabbit hunting. It's like kicking a bush and everything that was hid starts to come out into the open, scatter every way. God, I pray that that doesn't cause chaos. Help us to embrace your word, to stay in your presence. We pray it in Jesus' name. Come on, sing this song with us. Shout Jesus from the mountain. Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name. Over. 